Hello and welcome to the Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 38, and the first show on dermatology. My name is Brian Wallace. I am the host and creator here at Physician Assistant Exam Review. You can find all of the notes over at the website www.physicianassistantexamreview.com. Some people have been asking about old shows and are no longer. You can't find on the podcast feed anymore. The feed only holds so many shows, so you've got to go over to the website and you can dig them all out there. There's a great search function. Not a big deal. Go check them out there. You can even download them and take them with you. Uh, so it's not. they are absolutely still available on the website for now. At some point, that may change in the future, but for today, they are still there. Uh, one thing I just want, a couple things. <laughs> And one of the things I wanted to mention before we get started, I just pulled up the iTunes reviews before I started the show, and I've been getting it actually still a ton of these, which is great, both for my ego and for the show. I've noticed that uh, there have been some new PA podcasts added to the mix, which is great, uh, but it makes it a little more difficult for people to find the show, obviously, if they're searching for something to help them with their pants, with their pan ring. So the more iTunes reviews are, the the easier it is for them to find it. One of the ones I just stumbled, so thank you for those. I really do appreciate them, and I, like I said, I, and I read every single one and, and take them to heart. Uh, the last one that was actually just dropped in here was from Kristen B. There, these have been a huge help as I'm preparing to recertification. Recertification in a few weeks. My only complaint is that sometimes you talk too fast, so I'm going to try and work on that a little bit. It's something I've been thinking about. Uh, I noticed in the last show in particular, so I'm going to try to make an effort to slow things down a little bit for you, uh, but I do tend to get ahead of myself. So I read every single one of those. It's really nice to see also all the emails that have been coming in. I've certainly been getting more lately, uh, and I really appreciate that, but it also means it's harder for me to get back to you. Understand I read every single one. I really do appreciate them. I take your comments to heart, both the good and the bad, uh, and everyone who celebrates with me, I absolutely love it when they pass their exam or they share it with someone else uh, and they help someone else pass the exam. And I really, really appreciate those, but I don't always have the ability to get back to every single person. Uh, it just, it takes a lot of time. So let's start jumping into dermatology this week. Dermatology is going to be our next section. I'm always excited to, to end a section and then start something new. So we ended cardiology. It makes me feel like we're making progress, like we're, we're gaining ground. It's something I talked a lot about in the last physician assistant exam scholars newsletter was that feeling of moving forward and how to make sure that you've got it. Because without it, you certainly can get lost and feel uh, depressed and down. And, and that feeling of progress and forward motion just makes such a big difference in how you function and how you think and how your brain works uh, and your overall attitude toward the subject material, which then again makes a huge impact on how well you do. I think that stuff is tremendously important. And that's a lot of what I spend. I spend a ton of time on that mindset sort of stuff. If you haven't joined the email list, that's where I cover all of that. Honestly, I think it's more important or at least as important as the content, uh, the medical content, which is what this show is for. But that med that mindset, that study skills, uh, all of that is covered in much more detail over on the email list. So I'd get, definitely go check that out if you haven't. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started with uh, dermatology and our priming questions for this very first derm episode. What is the difference between a papule and a nodule? What is the difference between a papule and a nodule? What is the difference, difference between a nodule and a macule? What is the difference between a nodule and a macule? What causes lichenification? 
what causes lichenification? And this last one's an easy one. What does a KOH test test for? What does a KOH test test for? Before jumping along, I just had, wanted to mention, I found a really good site called DermNetNZ, where they've got a great glossary of terms, of dermatolo dermatological terms. They've got pictures of things. It's really a really good place. It's really a really good place. <laughs> good work. Uh, it's a great place to go look at dermatology stuff. If you're, if you're having trouble picturing something in your mind, they definitely, they've got images. Definitely go check it out, DermNetNZ. Once you grasp something, once you see it, it will stick in your mind a whole lot better than trying to picture these. And you'll see as I read through them, uh, the next little section here, just holding them in your brain without having a picture for them, just holding onto the words, very, very difficult. So I would go back, I'd go over to the website, go through each of these and look them up on DermNetNZ or on Google Images or something like that to give you a better idea of what how to get this to stick in your brain. So I'm going to start with just some general terminology. Uh, first, we're going to do some physical exam findings. Then we're going to do some signs or lab tests and things. And then we'll move on to just get started with dermatitis for today. So a scale or hyperkeratosis is an increase of dead cells on the skin surface with a dry appearance. It's flakes of horny epithelium. A crust is dried serum, blood, or pus on the skin. A crust is dried serum, blood, or pus on the skin surface. Pretty gross. A papule is a solid palpable lesion which is less than 10 millimeters in diameter. So a solid palpable lesion, so it's raised, which is 10, less than 10 millimeters in diameter. A nodule is a solid palpable lesion, so the same as a papule, but is greater than 10 millimeters in diameter. So these are raised palpable lesions, little bumps, less than 10 millimeters, it's a nodule, it's a papule, greater than 10 millimeters, it's a nodule. And that's a little bit different from the next one, which is a macule, which is a flat, non-palpable lesion, which is less than 10 millimeters in diameter. So basically what you're, I had read that definition a ton of times, right? A flat, non-palpable lesion, which is less than 10 millimeters in diameter. And it just never stuck, right? It didn't make a lot of sense. And then somewhere else I read, it's an area of skin color change less than 10 millimeters. And that made off for some reason, just made it so much more clear for me, made it very obvious that if it's not raised and you can't feel it, it's really just a skin color change. So a macule is a change in skin color about less than 10 millimeters in diameter versus its alternative, which is a patch. And that's a flat non-palpable palpable lesion, which is greater than 10 millimeters in diameter. So again, an area of skin color change greater than 10 millimeters. So if you follow along at all, I believe strongly in repetition. So we're going to go, before we crush through the rest of these, we're going to back it up a little bit. Remember, a crust was dried serum, blood, or pus on the skin surface. Remember the difference between a papule and a nodule are grouped together. They're both palpable lesions, small little bumps. The papule is the small one, less than 10. The nodule is the big one, greater than 10. And a macule and a patch get grouped together in your head. They're both skin color changes. One is less than 10 millimeters. One's greater than 10 millimeters. The patch is the bigger one. Plaque is a well-circumscribed palpable lesion. So again, we have something raised, not just a color change, something you can feel, a plaque, which is usually 
great, which is greater than 10 millimeters in diameter. Something of interest, plaques come from a French word for plate, so you can think of it as like little plates on the skin surface. A vesicle is a blister filled with serous fluid or blood, which is less than 10 millimeters in diameter. Ebola is a blister filled with serous fluid or blood, which is greater than 10 millimeters in diameter. A wheel is an elevated pale lesion caused by local edema and an indicator of urticaria. The easiest way to think about those is if you get an injection right at the skin surface. So if I'm injecting local before we put in ports for laparoscopic surgery, you make a little wheel at the skin. You, you inject directly underneath the skin, and it sort of blows up and, and becomes a, a little pale at that area because it's essentially like a local edema, right? You're filling that area with fluid. Petechiae are pinpoint hemorrhagic spots which do not blanch. The do not blanch part to me is the key there. They're little teeny spots and you can't blanch them. That's how you tell them apart. Telangiectasia are dilated, small, superficial blood vessels. Telangiectasia are dilated, small, superficial blood vessels. Lichenification is thickened skin with distinct borders caused by chronic rubbing. Thickened skin with distinct borders caused by chronic rubbing. And the term macerated is a swollen, soft, white skin secondary to an increase in water content. So think of sitting in a bathtub too long, what your toes look like. Or if you get your cast wet. So let's back it up quick before we move on. Uh, remember we talked about a patch, right? A patch was, I'm sorry, not a patch, a plaque. I don't want to go back that far. Let's just talk about a plaque. Remember that was the one that had a French word for plate? a raised, well-circumscribed area, usually about greater than 10 millimeters. Then we did vesicle and bulla together. They're both blisters with fluid in them. The vesicle is less than 10 millimeters. The bulla is greater than 10 millimeters. Remember the key point I said for petechiae, they don't blanch. They're little pinpoint things that don't blanch. Signs, labs, and tests is next. These you could go on forever. Um, there's tons of them. I'm not sure which you should really be all over or not all over. I'm going to give you a couple just so you have some in your head, and we'll definitely cover some as we move through dermatology. The reason I'm doing this, of course, is that I want to have these in your head, at least an initial conversation, and it's, a, it's all about that repetition, right? So as I, as I cover these throughout the next couple of weeks, I want you to be able to think back and have your brain cued by this particular discussion and not have to talk about them each independently and then I think they get lost. So if you talk about a vesicle and a bulla up against each other, or you talk about a papule and a nodule together at the same time, it's easy to understand the difference in the definition. But if I wait and do them as we cover the material, it's much harder when I cover them individually to get the relationships. Our first sign is Auspitz sign, which is punctate bleeding after a scale is removed. So if I peel a scale off, you get this little bleeding. That's Auspitz sign. Derriere sign is an urticarial flare produced by rubbing the skin. Nikolsky's sign is rubbing the skin can cause a blister. A patch test shows a hypersensitivity reaction for skin allergies. Acetal whitening test applying acetic acid to warts will turn them white. 
dioscopy as a glass slide is pressed against the skin. Blanching indicates intact capillaries. So you take a glass slide because you can see through it and you press on the skin. So you, you could use that for petechiae and they won't disappear, right? They won't blanch. Potassium hydroxide preparation, so a KOH prep, is used to diagnose a fungal infection. And a Woods lamp is an examination of the skin under an ultraviolet light. And we'll get to how all those matter later on. I get that they're not going to stick in your head from just this once through. It's where repetition comes in. Dermatitis is where we're going to begin our discussion of dermatology outside of the, the terms we just covered. Dermatitis is an inflammation of the skin, right? Pretty straightforward. The first one I want to talk about is atopic dermatitis, which they're leaning more towards the term eczema, which is fine because that's pretty much what people call it anyway. This occurs predominantly in childhood and it's outgrown during adolescence. There is some relation to asthma and seasonal allergies. This is an easy one for me now because my oldest son has it. And he has it really bad when he was, and the interesting part is he's turning nine, 10 years old and it's getting better, right? It's clearing out. He also had a little bit of, he doesn't really have asthma the component so much, but he definitely has the seasonal allergies component. So that helps me to remember, I sort of link all this into him when he was little. I mean, his skin would be just awful. He would have to, you know, bathe him very particular. Oh, well, let me get to that in the treatments. Let me go through and then I'll tell you his story. Clinical presentation and physical exam findings. So you get this dry, itchy skin often found, often involving the flexural surfaces. So the backs of the knees, the wrists, the anterior elbows, the flexor surfaces, so the inside of the joint. You get this lichenified skin. Remember we talked what was lichenified. Lichen, lichenification, we talked about earlier, was a thickened skin with distinct borders caused by chronic rubbing. These kids are always itching and scratching. It's really, really itchy. So they get this lichenified skin. On physical exam, you get a distinct pattern of lichenified skin, typically involving, oh, I'm sorry, that was, <laughs> it's funny because in dermatology, the physical exam findings and the clinical presentation are pretty much going to be the same, right? So I may repeat myself a little bit in those areas. The treatment here is going to be avoid dry air, limit bathing and use of soaps, which is sort of counterintuitive, topical cream, topical steroid, and then lastly, an oral steroid. So again, in, especially in the wintertime, that very dry air, he'd come, you know, and as the, the seasons would change, he would get very itchy in this red bumpy rash all on the insides of his elbows and on the backs of his knees. And then eventually, if it got bad, it would climb up his legs and across his back. But, that, <clears throat> but typically, that was when it got really, really bad. You know, you're, as a good parent, you're trying to bathe these kids. You know, you want to try and wash them all the time. And the answer is really that that makes it worse using soaps and having them get wet all the time is worse. And in fact, some of the times when he would get really, really bad, putting him in the bathtub would make it hurt terribly. So we wanted to, you want to limit how much bathing you're doing. You want to limit the amount of soap you're using. You want to be very careful about those things. You can rinse off every day, but you don't want to have the, kid, the child sitting in the bathtub. You don't want to be scrubbing them down with, with harsh soaps every day. And this would get worse throughout the winter. We'd have to use uh, different creams and lotions. And we tried lots of different things until uh, finally, I forget what it's called, but we found the super goopy, it's almost like Vaseline, but thicker. Uh, and we'd put that on him and that would really help when he got bad. And then of course you move on to your topical steroid. So our cortisone cream would help. And then when it got really bad, we'd have to go to the, go and get something stronger, a stronger topical steroid. And we never did get to the point where an oral steroid was necessary for him, but I could see where you would wind up there. 
So it's something you want to stay out in front of. It's also something you want to pay attention for. If you're in family practice, uh, practicing clinically, it has a lot to do with the seasons. That dry air, that winter change makes a tremendous difference. And then it clears out in the springtime, in the summer. So that's one way you can definitely pick it out. I don't know that you would see that in a test question. I feel like you should, but you probably won't. They'll probably attach it more to asthma and seasonal allergies than they will to the to the uh, time of year sort of thing. But definitely pay attention to that. I think it's it's easy to understand the story, so it's not hard to, to hold on to that. Contact dermatitis is next. The easiest way to think about contact dermatitis is think of poison ivy, at least for me. I don't know, maybe you live in Arizona in the desert, you don't have poison ivy. I live in the Northeast, grew up in the Northeast. Uh, poison ivy was everywhere. Thankfully, I never got it. I don't get, uh, I'm not, I don't call, always call it an allergy. I'm not allergic to, po- to poison ivy. My friends would get it terribly. Uh, some of them couldn't even look at it or be in the vicinity or they'd blow up all over. But you want to think of, to me, think of poison ivy. You get, you come in contact with something and that irritates the skin. It's a contact dermatitis. So poison ivy, the, the plant makes a certain, a little, an oil that gets on you. And that's what causes the irritation. It gets on your fingers and then you rub the oil onto the rest of your body. And wherever you touch that oil is where you get that contact dermatitis. And that creates this itching, swelling feeling. And again, this is an irritant versus an allergic reaction. Um, hair dye, they describe it as an irritant. Poison or maybe more as an allergic reaction. Clinical presentation. You can get these vesicles and crusted lesions, uh, pruritus, nasty itching. The location and distribution are keys to the diagnosis here. So linear vesicles on the forearms or lower legs are often poison ivy. So think about how you'd walk through um, a patch of small brush or small plants and get it on your legs, and then you'd scratch up your legs. And by scratching it, you're spreading that oil around. Once the oil's washed off, once you've taken a shower, once you've used some soap, you cannot spread it any further. But before you do that, you absolutely can. So wherever you touch that oil, so let's say you scratch your leg and then you scratch behind your ears, well, you can get that you can spread that oil to behind your ears and now you can have an outbreak there. Labs and studies, you might want to get a gram stain to rule out impetigo because it kind of looks like that or it can look like that. And treatment here is very straightforward. It's removal of the causative agent. So stop touching the thing that's bothering you. It's self-limiting. Things like calamine lotion to help with the itching. If it gets bad, and this is going to be our answer throughout, uh, topical steroid followed by an oral steroid, depending on the severity of the situation. But the mainstay here is removal of the causative agent and identifying what it is. The treatment's not too bad once you can, well, it's not too bad for the clinician uh, because it's not that complicated, but figuring it out is the complicated part. It's bad for the patient because getting rid of it sometimes isn't so easy, but it is self-limiting. So that's as far as we're going to go with dermatology for today. But before we get into the answers for the priming questions, I want to talk real quick about a service that I use called Focus at Will. I realized the other day, and I've been recommending this for a long time, that I've been using this service for over eight years. A friend of mine introduced me to it, and I absolutely love it. In all fairness, they do sponsor the show. They do, uh, if, if I do have an affiliate program with them, that there's a big long link you could use to sign up, but I don't even care about that. Go check them out. It's focusatwill.com, and what they do, what they provide is a host of different channels that help with concentration and to block out the noise around you. I think they're just an amazing service. I really do. Uh, I use it constantly, practically every single day as I sit down to write, as I sit down to put this stuff together. They really help with concentration. Music is okay. I spent a long time listening to music and trying to find different tracks and searching through YouTube for different playlists that would be helpful. Uh, Focus at Will just does a much better job. Everything's super easy. It's right in front of you. It's well-designed, and you 
feel good at the end of a study session or the end of a work session. When I sit down to write and I spend 45 minutes writing and then I have this on and I stand up when I'm done, I, I feel amazing. I, I don't feel like I'm drained and tired and worn down. I feel good. So that's my study tip for today is definitely go check out Focus at Will. Uh, go through their stuff. Do the free trial. It's totally worth it. Like I said, I've been a, a what's the word? Um, they do have a monthly service fee. You can definitely check it out for free. There's a small monthly service fee, but there's a lifetime membership. I signed up almost immediately for the lifetime membership. And like I said, that was eight, seven or eight years ago. And I, I'm still using it practically every day. So definitely go check that out. All right, let's wrap up with the, the answers to our priming questions. See if you caught these as we went through. What is the difference between a papule and a nodule? We went over this twice. Come on. What's the difference between a papule and a nodule? A papule is less than 10 millimeters and nodule is greater than 10 millimeters. Remember, they're both little raised bumps. What's the difference between a nodule and a macule? What's the difference between a nodule and a macule? A macule is a flat, non-raised, non-palpable change in color. A nodule is a palpable lesion. What causes lichenification? Man, all of these we covered a couple of times. Chronic rubbing or scratching. So think about that kid scratching at his eczema and what his skin looks like afterwards. What does a KOH test test for? Test for fungus, right? That's a pretty easy one. Something that I always felt, I don't know, was easy to hold on to. Okay, so that'll wrap up our very, very first show on dermatology, well, at least for season two, our first show for dermatology. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to, to getting through this section. Uh, definitely head over to the website if you're looking for more. All the notes, all the stuff is over there. You can find it at www.physicianassistantexamreview.com. And as usual, I want to recommend you go check out the email list. That's where I cover all the mindset stuff, all the study tips, all the things to improve how you're handling all this information and getting it into that brain of yours and getting it back out on paper. Uh, until next time, definitely good luck to those of you taking your exams this week. Uh, take care.